Welcome to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. But we, you, what you just listened to was a song that my guest wrote and recorded years and years ago. And I'll have her tell you a little bit more about what encouraged her to write this song and what it did for her after I take a moment to introduce her. My guest is Maria Seal, a Seattle-based author, speaker, designer, as well as an avid list maker with over 1 million books, journals, stationary products in print. Her passion lies in giving voice to the inner child that lives in all of us, within all of us, and provides resources for happiness, resiliency, and self-expression. And that describes you so well, Maria. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. So tell me about that song, because I know it happened at a time in your life where you might have been going through some struggles. Uh, I had um, I had been writing music since I was 15. I had been doing poetry and art from a really young age. Uh, I was a very quiet child, but had a lot of pent up feelings that I needed to release in a creative way. Um, so when I was in college, uh, my freshman year, I went to a school in Southern California. I finally achieved this thing that I'd been thinking was going to change my life for the better since I was a kid. And when I was there, I was severely depressed. I started sleeping until 4 PM every day. I was getting severely bullied. Um, so I started writing this song and it, uh, sort of illustrates the mental space that I was in. I, felt like I was buried under leaves and trees and hidden from the sun and downtrodden and animals stomping on top of me. Um, and as I was writing the song, uh, feeling like I didn't want to be alive anymore, um, I realized I don't, of course, I don't want to <laughs> not be alive. Uh, I just, I just couldn't handle life itself in the state that I was in and the place I was in. And I knew that I needed some sort of change. And this song uh, helped you express that? Right. Yep. It, by the end of while I was writing this song, I realized if I can uh, create a little bit of hope by the end of this song, if I can end this song on some sort of uh, hopeful note, that means that I can change something in my life and make some sort of change uh, that will make things feel a little bit better in my everyday as well. And so, then by sharing this song, you're taking your pain and your struggles and then your turn to hope, sharing it with an audience that may need to hear this song right now and give them hope. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. I think everybody has, I think by the time that you're 25, I think everybody has been through something severely traumatic. Everybody has been uh, faced with uh, reasoning with whether they want to keep going or not right? in some form or another. Yeah. Um, and I hope that this song can encourage people to find their own personal light uh, to keep moving towards. Beautiful. So once you got through college and through the depression stage, and at some point along the journey, you started to write a lot more. You found the power in journaling and writing. Can you talk about that and how that led to, Maria is the author of the 52 list series or my 52 list series, which is very, very popular. And like I said, in the intro, millions have been sold. So tell me what kind of, what your journey to get to the point where you started creating these journals and these books. Yeah, I started, uh, I never expected to become an author. I just had a lot of feelings. I needed to get them out. I needed to process them in some way. And I wanted to figure out a way to do it efficiently because I am very verbose within my own mind. I can get overwhelmed with my own thoughts. So um, I started a blog in 2009 um, and I thought, okay, if I have all of this trauma to process, I'm sure that I am not alone in that need to process? What can I create that everybody can use and make their own in helping them to process and uh, in making their processing more efficient? 
Um, so I have been a, an avid list maker my whole life. And I thought, you know, an easy way to get myself to not fill up 500 pages of journaling that's just rambling. Why don't I find a way to put journaling into a list making form? Um, so I started the 52 list project on my journal uh, or my uh, digital journal, my blog um, in 2013. Um, and I just was giving away these prompts for free say, doing things like list what you're grateful for, um, encouraging people to write out a list or something like list the difficult things from your past that have shaped you for the better, just helping people to reframe their experiences. Um, and then I would share my own list as well to be vulnerable and to encourage other people to be vulnerable as well. And then at the end, there is a prompt um, for you to analyze your list and gain something from it. So I was sharing that for free uh, on the internet and it went sort of viral via Pinterest and a publisher found me uh, and they said, would you like to make a book? And I said, that's wild. Sure. Let's give it a go. And now I've created over 13 different uh, products within the 52 list series. I love it. So what was the name of your very first 52 list? Was it just the 52 list project or yep. I have several of your 52 lists and they're beautiful books. They're shiny and they're bright and they're inviting and they're exciting. But then you've gone on and written them on specific topics like happiness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The first one was the 52 list project. So there were questions that uh, are prompts that just encouraged you to uh, write down basic elements of self that maybe you haven't put to words yet. Um, and that book, they had planned to publish 5,000 copies. And the day that it came out, it got picked up by Urban Outfitters, Paper Source, Anthropology, Barnes and Noble. And they immediately had to reprint and reprint and reprint. Wow. That book got featured on Oprah's website 12 times. And with that massive sudden success that I had never expected, but maybe had always hoped for in my life, uh, I realized, uh, okay, I've suddenly hit this peak and I'm still not happy. Um, I need to explore that. So then I wrote 52 lists for happiness because I realized that uh, no matter what uh, mountaintop I reach, I will always be seeking for something more. So how can I make happiness a practice in my life? How can I make it uh, a purposeful, simple pursuit in the everyday? I love that. I love that. That's so perfect. And I know for a fact, based on getting to know you and working with you, that your books, your journals have absolutely helped many, many people work through their own struggles. And, and I love that you've taken your own healing, that you're doing these things to heal yourself and taking them out to the world and helping heal others. Can you feel the power of that? I can. And I think it's, uh, it's a very strange, surreal feeling to have uh, people message me on Instagram over the years and say, your books help me stay alive. Or um, they've gifted the books to people that they love who are suffering or people who are in process of dying. They've given them to them to help kind of write out their personal stories to keep for forever. Um, I've had a lot of different people. Um, I, I even had a researcher at UW who specializes in um, trauma uh, say that there's a bunch of different lists that I've put in my journals that actually uh, help with uh, processing and overcoming PTSD. Um, Beautiful. So that is a wild thing to realize in trying to care for myself, uh, trying to seek ways to not only heal myself, but also the trauma that I carried from generations before. Um, it's a, it's a wild and surreal and beautiful thing to have other people tell me they have used this resource to better themselves as well, because, uh, I think what's extra beautiful about it is it really has nothing to do with me. I'm just creating prompts and other people are using those prompts to better themselves. But you're the vessel it's coming through you and it's based on your own life 
situation and your own struggles. And so you're speaking from your heart when you write these prompts and these words, because that is what's helping you. And you know it so deep inside of you that it's easy for you to put on paper and for you to deal with yourself. But now publishing it puts it out to everyone and people relate to it. They connect with it. They understand it. They read this and they want more. A lot of people buy every single one of your books that come out. Yeah, that is, that is a wild thing. The, (laughs) and it has been so, so sweet to, to uh, create all these different journals on different topics, happiness, calm, uh, togetherness, bravery, and then to create a kid's journal last year. Um, that has been so, so sweet to hear from grownups who have used, uh, my journals, um, to now get to do their journals alongside their kids or their niece or, uh, kids in a classroom. Um, because what I realized with writing all of these journals for adults is why are we not given the tools when we're young to process? Yeah. Uh, if we can give kids some tools to process in a fun way, whatever they're experiencing and going through, it'll make them uh, have to process less when they're a grown up. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I really believe it starts at that young age, learning how to deal with your feelings, learning how to express it, learning how to get it out, learning how to face it and deal with it. And your journals do that. And it's healed you. It's healed many others. It's now mothers that have been doing your journals or doing journals with their children, the new child's version, the 52 list for kids. I just love what you're doing and the difference that you're making in the world. But you took all your, your experience and success with the journals. And you also have another really deep gift inside of you. And that's kind of this gift for design, this inner knowing of what feels good and what makes a space feel good and what feels good to wear and what feels good to look at and what feels good to touch. And you went on from your books and you started a store front in downtown Mm -hmm. Seattle that was extremely popular prior to COVID. But let's Mm -hmm. talk about that for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. So before um, I even got the book deals, um, I was a maker. My degree is in studio art with an emphasis in, emphasis in illustration. Mm-hmm. So I have always loved making. I grew up uh, with a mom who's very creative, who could make something fun out of nothing. Um, and so I've always had uh, this uh, urge to create and urge to support makers. So I had an Etsy shop in 2010. I designed jewelry. I learned metalsmithing. I did, uh, I worked as an artist assistant to a sculptor. I was just creating, creating, creating. Um, And while creating, I realized, uh, wow, it's really hard to survive as a maker. Um, And I, I, I built so much community through Etsy and through blogging with other makers that I decided to uh, start an online retail store supporting other makers. Beautiful. Um, in 2013, there weren't many online stores that uh, weren't fast fashion. Um, so my store was one of the first and it took off really quick. Um, the, and within six months, our, the little space that we were working out of for the online site uh, was too small. So we moved into uh, a little storefront, opened a tiny store on Third Ave in Seattle that got too small after six months. So we cut a hole in the wall and moved into the space next door as well. <laughs> that got too small. So then we moved into a 4,000 square foot space on First Avenue. Uh, we built out the whole thing. Um, and that was in 2017. So I just while writing these books, while also struggling uh, with my own things privately, I also was going really hard in the world of retail and design. And what ended up happening is you built a very successful store that had a beautiful interior. Just looking at the photos of her store makes a person want to go in. And I believe the one on First Avenue was across from hotel and people staying in that hotel were all just drawn over to this store, but it became very popular in a place people like to go. And as you 
designed new things and you represented different artists in this store and brought in their beautiful things. It was allowing people to express themselves through your store and it was a phenomenal success. But what happened at the same time, because you were writing the books, trying to run a store with employees, trying to build these businesses, you started to get stressed and burned out and it started to affect your happiness and your health. Is that right? Oh, yes. It was way, way, way too much. Um, From a really young age, uh, I just wanted to be heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could see within my career that I was building that it was this hunger to be heard. Um, And there's a lot more I can speak to on that. Okay. And we're going to come back to that after our break. You are listening to Morea Seal with Marla Williams on Love Living Life on Lift Your Spirits Radio. Stay tuned and we will be right back for more. So welcome back to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. Just a reminder, we're talking to Maria Seal of My 52 List Project and all her multiple journals. And we were just talking about how she had built so much success in her books, her journals, and her store that she started getting burned out, exhausted, stressed, etc. And resulting in many, many health issues. Um, right. Do you want to talk oh, a little yes. bit about that? And then shortly after that, or not long after that is when you found me. So go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. In 2017, I felt like that was the peak of my career. I had built out this giant storefront in downtown Seattle. I was getting recognized by uh, Goop, Inc. Magazine, uh, name, <laughs> Name a beautiful, an amazing publication. I was featured in it. Um, my books were doing exceedingly well. Fifty Two Lists for Happiness hit number two on all of Amazon. Wow! Uh, I had really reached multiple pinnacles, and uh, upon reaching those pinnacles, I was terrified. I was uncomfortable. I was unhappy. I was unwell. Um, the actual life that I was living behind the scenes just did not feel right in so many ways. The storefront, um, there were elements to it that felt true and right to me. It was a joy to support over 140 different uh, handmade designers, US designers. Uh, It was, uh, of course, a joy to get to uh, design products um, that support people and myself. Um, But behind the scenes, I was also profoundly struggling. Uh, I was uh, working with a business partner that was very toxic. Um, I was in a marriage that felt pretty good, and yet I was still deeply depressed. Um, I just felt like I had kind of built uh, this cage this every element that I was living within felt like a cage rather than a source of freedom and expression and joy. Uh, And that didn't feel right. That felt horrible. I felt guilty that I was so unhappy in my marriage, that I was so unhappy in this business that I know so many people aspire to have. I wanted to be my own boss my whole life, but I never wanted to be other people's boss. At one point I had 14 people on my staff. It was just too much for me. Uh, so I started to get really sick. There were points where I had to go into the hospital because of gut issues, because of severe dehydration. I had precancerous polyps in my intestines. I had severe IBS. Uh, I was having severe panic attacks. Uh, I just wanted to sleep and I didn't want to wake up. Um, while at the same time I had to perform as this successful woman on the outside to keep everything going. Um, And uh, it just reached a point in 2019, right before the pandemic hit, so many things just kind of uh, came to a head. And that's about the time that I met you. 
And I think what's important to point out here to the audience is you can actually love what you're doing and it can spiral out of control. Yes. So you were doing things you love to do, representing these 140 artists, uh, having a storefront that you love to decorate, but just the pure force and busyness of running that large of a business by that time and mm -hmm. all the details behind it and the number of employees and a toxic business partner while your marriage is kind of flailing on the outside starts to take a toll. And what's happening in your external life as well as in your head, your internal life starts to affect the health of your body. Yes. And this is what Maria was facing. This is where she hit this head and she came to work with me. And when we started talking, you know, she had all those problems. She talked about health wise, but she was also constantly getting bronchitis. Yes. Do you remember that? Twice you, yearly. Oh yeah. You were allergic to everything. You could hardly get outside without, you had the IBS, the polyp and all that going. You, you have a disease that I think is probably still in your body, but not, it's something that you've had since you were young. It's Ehlers-Danlos. Ehlers yeah. Which yep. is kind of loose. Loose ligaments. Uh, it's kind of like my body is getting more and more stretchy over time. My mm -hmm. skin is really stretchy. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, things aren't held together as well as they should be. And it continually degrades over time. Yeah. Um, and I also was dealing with, uh, it wasn't until the end of 2020 that I finally got the diagnosis of autism mm -hmm. and That's right. truly that was kind of like the final, <laughs> the final thing that explained to me why I always felt different and why I was always working so hard to be seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just needed a name for that experience yeah. along with uh, realizing that I am queer, I am gay. Yeah. It took a yeah. long time to understand that as well. And once you found these, it was like an aha moment for, her. so first what I want to talk about is before we get into those is working with me, she started to see different specialists and people to eliminate the allergies, NAAT, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. doing different things to heal herself. And a lot of those things started getting better. You were yep. still having some anxiety and depression and it was the autism as well as being true to yourself that you are gay, you are queer, you're attracted to women. You, you, you weren't that happy in your marriage. It didn't feel right. And you like the guy. He's not yeah. a bad guy. In fact, your no. friends today, Yeah, but the marriage itself wasn't right because that wasn't who you were meant to be with. Right. And so as she came to realization with all these things, her body started healing. She started getting healthier and healthier, uh, happier and happier, but then was also going through the insurity of kind of leaving things behind, leaving a marriage yep. with COVID closing the storefront because financially it made no sense to keep it open. Plus yep. it was way too much to handle and it was no longer bringing her the joy. I think the important message here is when you're doing what feels right. And it feels authentic to you. Like when she writes her books and that's why they're so good. Then things happen that are good. When right. you start pushing, doing things that are beyond your scope, beyond your interests and trying to make big things that you, you really didn't dream of having this monster store and doing all this stuff, but nope. your partner kind of drove a lot of that. And then you were stuck in the middle of it, trying to make it all work. And so it never felt right. I think the little mm -hmm. store was a good thing, right? Yes. When yep. it was small down on third. And so this is really about listening to yourself, right? listening to your heart, listening to your gut, listening to your inner voice of what is right and what's not. And when something doesn't feel right, stop. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of where you got to, and to keep asking questions because you kind of got to the bottom of really what it was that helped you find happiness and joy in this world. Mm -hmm. and, and I really, yeah. I, I think I really fixated on, uh, for a long time, I fixated on this phrase, if you work hard and you're kind, great things will happen. Uh, but I think I obsessed too much over the work hard. Yeah. Uh, I really thought that if I just work hard enough, if I just try hard enough, then I'll finally be X. Yeah. If I just try hard enough, I'll be straight. If mm -hmm. I just work hard enough, then I'll finally feel like a professional woman. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. But sometimes uh, it's not about working hard. It's about just being. Yes. And it was through your help that I really came to accept that as true. And I don't know, use that as the defining thing that I seek is just being, how can I just be and feel well in that? Uh, and it's scary to just be mm-hmm. because sometimes the things that you are, the person that you are is not what society says is good. Right. Uh, but you have to decide for yourself, this is right and good for me. Mm-hmm. I think what's important too, and what you just shared is that I believe these things we say to ourselves, like if I just work hard, I'll be able to do this. If I just work hard, most likely was ingrained in you from watching most likely your father worked hard or -hmm. your mother worked hard. And they kind of instilled, like for me, my early stress. And the reason I've gotten so good on helping people with stress is my father always worked. He was working Mm -hmm. all the time. And I Mm -hmm. believed from a very young age, if you work hard, you'll be successful. Right. And what I've learned and what I share now with my book, The Being Zone and teaching people to be is that's not what makes you successful. When you slow mm-hmm. down, you tune into your heart, mind and soul and really listen to it. Learn to be present in the moment. Learn to listen to yourself that that slower pace, that being present, that being honest with yourself is what truly makes you successful. When you start allowing mm-hmm. instead of pushing and you were pushing your way through life and trying yeah. too hard. Versus oh, yeah. just allowing. Yeah. Yeah. So the business storefront closed, you bought out your partner and any part of that you got divorced. Is the divorce final? Yeah. Divorce is final. So I, uh, my ex-husband and I split in uh, about <laughs> two weeks before the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was still trying to run the store. Um, and in that beginning of the pandemic, I was living alone for the first time in my life three months in an Airbnb, completely alone. And it was hard. And I was needing a lot of help from you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was needing to process a lot. And I'm grateful that I had that extreme pause in my life to reassess, to process, to uh, really seek out and understand what does being mean for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It was forced. uh, It was a forced, harsh break, uh, but it was right. And it was wise. So I ended up uh, closing the storefront in July of 2020. And around that same time, I decided to uh, move in with my sister and her kids and her husband for about a year. I just realized that uh, though the world saw me as this hyper successful driven businesswoman, what people didn't know Um, is that it wasn't the business that drove me. It was uh, this idea of just wanting to fund my life as a woman so that I could have family when I was older. I didn't want to just rely on a man to finance my life, which is what I was told from a very young age, marry marry a man who can tend to you. I didn't want that. I wanted to tend to myself. So it was heartbreaking getting divorced, realizing uh, this isn't, this is not the path to family for me. My path to family is something more abstract and different, uh, something I haven't seen before. Um, But over the last year, uh, I've really come to understand what family is to me. Uh, Being a very present aunt to my niece and nephews has been such a joy uh, to find the woman that I love, uh, and to have such similar values as her and passion for caring for others and being the aunties that we want to be in the world. Uh, finally, I feel like, okay, yes, now I truly understand, uh, what is fulfilling for me. Yeah. I think what's important during the healing process, while you and I were working together and at first in the Airbnb, you used a lot of the things that are the foundation of who you are to help you in the healing process. Besides the talking with me and seeing specialists, you were playing music Mm -hmm. and sharing it. You were doing art. You were Mm -hmm. writing, you were decorating, you're making your space, something you, where you love to be Mm -hmm. because everything around you and where you're at and what you're doing all impact how you feel. Mm-hmm. And you started to really recognize what are the things in my life that really fill me up? 
what are yeah. the things where I'm happiest? And that's when you made the decision to move in with your sister and her husband and their two adorable children. Yes. And you had your own space there, but you also had the support and love of them. And these children adored you. And yeah. they were a major piece of your healing process because you were able to always have them come out and spend time with you and make you laugh and make you smile and get back down on the ground and in the grass and touching the earth and connecting right. with things that were really important to you. Yes. Um, and I just saw you blossoming as you lived there, but you knew you couldn't have that as a crutch forever. Right. And you enjoyed every single moment. Um, but you also knew you had to keep finding yourself. And that's when you made a decision to make another move, right? Yeah. I moved into a 260 square foot tiny loft. Um, and that really felt like, uh, you know, from a young age, I felt like an old lady. I felt like I was tending to everyone else. I was the mom to myself and to my sisters. I was the mom to my mom. And when I was living with my sister and her kids, it was kind of the first time that I allowed myself to be taken care of. Yeah. that uh, I really got down on my niece and nephew's level. And uh, that's also I allowed my sister to care for me, though most of my life, I just wanted to care for her. Um, because you're uh, the was, oldest sister yeah, out of the, I'm the oldest, group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of three. Both of my sisters becoming moms uh, finally gave me the opportunity to look up to them and yeah. not put myself above them. Uh, but mm-hmm. see, they have so much wisdom that I get to learn from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was through living with my sister and her kids that I decided to write my 52 list project, the journal for kids, because I realized uh, my sister is doing such an incredible job of caring for these kids and helping them to uh, own their own voices. Uh, if they, I'm, I'm going to grow up alongside them and I'm going to move on to a new place next while they are also growing. I, I just love that. I think that children are so raw and innocent and we have so much to learn from them and to be able to experience what you experience living with them and watching them grow is just amazing. So it's time for a break. So you're listening to love living life with Marla Williams on lift your spirits radio. Don't go away. Cause we'll be back with more. Welcome back to Love Living Life with Marla Williams. I am talking with Maria Seal, and we are discussing how listening to yourself and being present and really being authentic with yourself and learning. Everybody has a journey in life. And Maria's has been pretty exciting. She's hit the top of the charts as fame as an author and being published in all these amazing journals and magazines, but that didn't necessarily bring happiness. Her greatest happiness in her life has come from places where she got honest with herself, where she slowed down and didn't try to be the shiny penny or show or be of fame, but to just be authentic. And her best work in her journals has come through that authenticity and has come through spending time with her nieces and nephews and has come from spending time to just really listen to herself and be honest with herself on who she is. I think there was a big fear for you, uh, Maria, when you decided to come out and be honest and true that you cared for women. Um, Being able to talk to your father, who I believe is a minister or a tell me. Yep. My dad is an Episcopalian priest and a Buddhist teacher. Um, So I grew up... uh, I grew up in a very cerebral home. <laughs> I, uh, I also, uh, yeah, very philosophical family. So uh, from a young age, I was very detached from my body. Um, I went to Catholic school and we only did sex ed uh, one time. And the teacher got really anxious and said, uh, just, just read through the book at home. So I completely avoided sexuality. I avoided understanding that element of self, uh, because I felt like it was, uh, wrong or, uh, you know, not something to face until you're a grown up. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when I, uh, you know, and, I, and I want to a- stop there because most parents don't always know how to talk to their children about this very right. topic. Yeah. And they're afraid to go there, especially if they think their child might be gay or different or mm-hmm. out of the ordinary. My mom could never have a talk with me. I didn't learn about sexuality mm-hmm. from my mom. So keep on going, but I want to make parents aware of this. Cause I know there's a lot of moms that are listening to this show out there. And, and my experience may be different than Maria's, but really being able to talk to your children openly and honestly from your heart, what could make a big difference in a child's life. So continue hugely, on. Hugely, yeah. hugely. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, so again, was really healing to live with my sister and, uh, see her talk to her kids about how babies are made at three, but just like, yeah, this is, these are things that happen in a body and this is how it functions. And also to have a baby, you don't have to be just a girl and a boy. You can adopt kids. You can, there's lots of different options. Same with identity. She's really uh, great at explaining to um, my niece and nephew, you know, you are born in this body, but if it feels uncomfortable when you're older, things can, there are opportunities for changes. Um, so for a young age, I felt I never was contemplating sexuality. I was constantly confused by the fact that, okay, I'm born as a girl, yet I'm not allowed to do boy things. Why? That makes no sense to me. Why? So from a young age, I was very competitive with boys and very intimidated by girls. Mm. Uh, It had nothing to do with attraction for me. I avoided attraction. Uh, I just was scared of girls because I wasn't like most most of them. And I wanted to prove to myself that I can do whatever boys do, or I can get access to whatever boys have access to, though uh, society at large tells me, "Mm, no. Uh, So yeah, I have, I've been attracted to men. I've been attracted to women. I've been attracted to non-binary people. I would say that pansexual makes the most sense to me. Um, but in dating men, I always felt like there was something not right. Uh, something that I, I just felt like there's no chance they'll ever understand me. Yeah. They will never, ever understand my experience. So, uh, I'm not that attracted to most people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For me, there has to be a deep, profound, emotional, intellectual connection. And then I can connect to the body element of attraction. Uh, So it took me a long time to meet the person that I'm with now. But uh, I connected with her on uh, a dating app a year and a half ago. Um, But I was still processing a lot of things. She was still processing a lot of things from a breakup. We both talked about how much we love our nephews and my niece. Um, And that was so, that felt so rare in my thirties to talk to another queer person who was just so passionate about loving their sibling's kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is core to me. Um, So we talked for a little bit, didn't talk for six months, jumped back in, said hello, didn't talk for another year. Uh, when we finally did connect in January, it just felt like uh, we had both um, not dated for a year. Uh, we both had recognized, okay, I need to learn to accept and love myself Perfect. by myself. Yeah. Then I can really trust that the love I seek from someone else is not uh, to fill us a void. Yeah. Uh, it is just simply acceptance of love from someone who sees me. Yes. And I think this is an important point to call out is that there are a lot of people as a coach, I work with so many people that have never learned to love themselves. Yeah. We're struggling to find their way, find out who they are, how they fit into this world. And I will have to tell everybody out there, it's possible for each and every one of you to get to the point where Maria is, where she's found herself. She's confident in who she is. She loves who she is. She's now doing the things that just completely fill her up, no longer being driven or controlled by anybody else, but following her heart and knowing she's there and knowing she's comfortable. And then finding a mate that is in that same place is just absolutely beautiful. So I love this, Mm -hmm. Um, but I just want people to know it's possible for anyone to get to the point where you are, 
because where you are right now, I would say, I would venture to guess, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably a lot less depressed or go into a funk. You probably stay in a oh, better yes. space most of the time and are healthier, wow, yes. healthier mm-hmm. as a result, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, uh, I think especially if you grow up as a girl, um, there is this expectation that I'm not allowed to be something or do something without permission. And it was uh, through finally realizing I am the one who gives myself permission to like myself. Uh, I am the one who gives myself permission to just be. That's when things really started to click as well. Um, in, in growing up religious, I also, uh, I'm no longer religious, but I would call myself spiritual Um, I would just take things so seriously as a kid. If someone said, be like Jesus, then I was like, well, then I'm literally going to be like Jesus. I will never sin. I will never do anything wrong. I will go so hard on being like Jesus. Uh, So it's been, you know, even in uh, leaving religion, I still have that kind of militant hunger (laughs) to do things well, to be so good. Um, And there is this narrative that I think is ingrained in society's definition of a woman, that to be a good woman, you must be overly sacrificial. Uh, You're not allowed to like yourself. That would be terrible. Uh, That would make you egotistical or selfish or self-centered. So to fight against that narrative and to choose to love myself uh, has been a really challenging journey, but I did get there. And I am grateful to be there every day. Yeah. I have to tell you in my own life, I grew up in a neighborhood full of boys and I was very competitive and I went into a male dominated work site and was quite successful. And I was so male dominated and how I acted and was in the world. I never could have coached or do what I do today if I had stayed in that mindset. And it took a big shift in my life that connected me with my femininity and allowed me to feel. I never Mm -hmm. felt I was headstrong, focused, Mm -hmm. working, and I didn't have this deep knowing, feeling connection. And it took a lot of healing for me to go through this major shift and get to a point where I am just happy being present, just happy with every moment of every day. And a big part of my healing is and I think you do this too, is, is time outdoors, connecting with nature and seeing things and actually just stopping and watching. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like what, when people say, watch the grass grow, well, it's fun. You can mm-hmm. actually watch mm-hmm. the grass grow or the flowers bloom or the mm-hmm. thing or whatever the case might be. Um, right now with spring coming on, all the flowers are blooming and the birds are mating and you can see it all around you if you just stop mm-hmm. instead of yeah. running and going all the time and pushing, like I think both you and I did in parts of yeah. And slow down to just be. Yeah. There's little things that I have, you know, I love, I love decorating. And I think it also has to do with the fact that I have um, some learning disabilities when it comes to uh, memorization. Um, But I have, uh, it's very hard for me to memorize words on a page, but I have such good visual memory when it comes to art and design. I can remember the, uh, a page of notes looks like, but I can't tell you the exact words unless I can remember what shape or color it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's little things that uh, the visual things in in my home are so valuable to me. I have sitting next to me, I have a disco ball and uh, there's a point in the afternoons when the sun hits the disco ball and the room just fills up with sparkles and that is an example of just a small thing that I just get to be in and witness daily that brings me so much joy and peace. Uh, It's a thing that repeats, but is never exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that I really seek now, uh, the quiet, beautiful moments. Yeah. And I have to say one of the most important things, and this ties right in with what you're saying is for people to surround themselves with things they love. Mm -hmm. I know so many people that are trying to make a house look just perfect and to Mm -hmm. have this fit and that, but it might not fit. 
that might not be something they love. And over time that will wear on you. Mm -hmm. But when you surround yourself, my office is full with things of love and I probably Mm -hmm. need to clear it out a little bit now because I keep collecting things I love, but I look up every single moment and look at things that just fell my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's part of that being and part of that happiness is you feel it on the inside out when you look at something and your heart just smiles or warms, right? Right. I actually have a home decor book um, called Make Yourself at Home, which is all about that. I noticed that in the world of home decor books, there's tons of books that tell you this is the aesthetic you're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And I disagree. I think that uh, each space in your home has a story to tell. Your living mm-hmm. room um, is the first space that other people enter into. It's like the first space where you get to tell your story to others about community. So what is in your living room that says this is about community versus yeah. your bedroom? How is this? This is, a, this is supposed to be a sensual place. This is supposed to be a comforting, peaceful place. Uh, this is a private space. How can you decorate it in a way with things that inspire that state of mind? Um, so I'm all about designing uh, for you uh, with things that you love. Uh, if you happen to like some aesthetics, sure, weave them in, but prioritize the roots of what you love. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you have the magic, the touch, your Instagram site. If anyone goes to Maria Seal's Instagram site, you're going to see her gift for design and feeling good. And what's really cool about what she does is it often translates over to other people who want that feel good feeling too. But everybody has to do what feels right and pretty and makes them happy Mm -hmm. in every single part of your life. Don't spend your life trying to please others, trying to push through life, trying to keep up, spend your life finding yourself, being present, finding what makes you happy and following that, because that's when you're going to get to the point that Maria has gotten to. And her life right now is magical, happy, wakes up every day. She's doing the things she's loved. She's still writing books. In fact, you have a new project. Uh, it's called every little thing you do is magic. So speaking about yes. magic, tell me about that. Yeah. So I have been doing tarot for the last seven plus years and it has been as a really visual person, it has been such a beautiful resource for me to center myself each day, to pull a card, to look at the art and to allow that to kind of uh, give myself something to focus on emotionally throughout the day. Um, so my friend, one of my best friends, Callie Little and I, uh, just got a book deal with Clarkson Potter for every little thing you do is, ma- is magic. Um, uh, we are designing our own tarot deck. Uh, she's doing illustrations. I'm doing collage. Uh, then we're also, um, creating a guidebook and a workbook so that you can use tarot to support your mental health. Um, it is one of the most exciting projects I've gotten to work on. And I'm excited to get that when it comes out. I'm very excited. I have to tell you, my father passed away just a few weeks ago. And on the day he passed or the morning after I pulled a tarot card and I don't pull them all the time. I have them. Mm -hmm. I don't think to pull them all the time. And I pulled one. I just, I just want to make sure my dad made it to Mm. where he's meant to be. And I pulled this card and sure enough, uh, it was called Rihanna and her, one of her services is making sure people make it safely into the afterlife. Aww. And so it was like the best card ever to pull. Yeah. And people often say, ah, what is that stuff? But in reality, it's real. So anyway, if you want to learn more about Maria, pick up one of her books, her books are everywhere. You can find them almost anywhere. I know they're on Amazon. I know Maria Target.com, target. Um, yeah. you can find all of my books at 52listproject.com and there's links to shop it from small bookstores to big box stores. Yeah. And so it's really nice to support your local bookstores. So if you can get it that way, but there's books for everybody. So no matter what you're dealing with, or if you want to help somebody, they're great gifts for mother's day, for birthday presents, for anniversaries and celebrations. They're amazing books. I love mine. Um, follow her on Instagram, learn more about her on mariaseal.com and keep your eyes and ears open for every little thing you do is magic. 
Maria, it has been a true pleasure to have you on today after working with you for several years and watching you go through the healing process and seeing you in a place today where you're so happy and so full of joy. It just makes my heart happy. And I'm really, really happy that you got there. Thank you so, so much. And thank you so much for helping me get to the point of just being. You're welcome. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams and my guest, Maria Seal, on Lift Your Spirits Radio. Join me next month. I have a very exciting guest uh, from the Fifth Awakening, Kimberly Meredith. So stay tuned, and I will see you in June. Thanks for being here. Important thing lost will explode through that hole.